Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is 51 First Dates, a podcast about dating and other shit. (laughs) Welcome and thank you for being here. Thrilled you're here. Thrilled about today's episode. I don't know if you guys can hear through the mics (laughs) that we're both smiling from ear to ear, but we are. We're literally middle school girls right now because we just interviewed Mike Johnson, who you know from The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. He is like potentially our favorite person on that show ever. Like oh, he's up there. A gem and of all gems. Like he yeah. Mike Johnson is a gem. Not that that's a surprise, but just, you know, kind of sweetest like so nice to come on this podcast. We're so excited we talked to him about his new book, Making the Love You Want. Uh I I mean, and I'm just giddy. Liza, I'm deeply embarrassed. We we just hung up a little bit ago, Not but I, I couldn't make words. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm such a fan girl and you're so attractive." Well, he's just literally like, I mean, everything you would ever want a man to be. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what's yep. he's like? I was I I asked by the interview. I'm like, how are you so in touch? Like, well in touch with your emotions? Like, he's in a, he was in the military. He's like this, you know, super masculine, like strong guy, and he's also like incredibly sensitive and smart and nice. I'm like, you're an actual unicorn, and uh, that is why. We are two giddy 13-year-old girls right now. Yeah, super cool of us. You know, we were just on We're our... all about being cool. <laughs> yeah, we were all about being cool. I definitely was like really articulate in my questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we are, we're so excited for you to hear that. It was so good to talk to Mike. Just in, it, He's just really cool. Um, yeah, it was great. We talk a little bit about the franchise, his feelings on what's been happening this summer with it. We talk about his book. We talk about... Again, how he's a unicorn and why. So <laughs> dating in st- general, dating after reality TV. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dating after having dated and as he put it, being dumped twice on TV. Um, so stick around for that. We're gonna chat a little bit before we get into that interview. But also if you're new to the pod, here's the spiel. You wanna do the spiel? I'll or should do I the do spiel. Sh- okay. It's it starts to feel like okay, so <laughs> I'll try the spiel. So basically back in 2017 when the world wasn't, you know, the worst, we decided, you know, I, Kimmy, who was very, very single, would go on 51 dates. It came from my therapist saying you should probably actually start going on dates if you complain about being lonely so much. Uh, And me being afraid of dates. So being like, Liza, can we start a project? And we did. And uh, I no longer go on dates because it actually worked out for me found a person very grateful for him but we we have other daters on we've had two other daters on now obviously with 2020 quarantine everything uh we dating is weird so we haven't had a regular dater of late and we've been trying to just get us all through this shitty shitty time but uh yeah that's our spiel yeah that's what we do so in our 2020 meantime we talk uh we interview lots of cool people like mike we talk about dating in general we talk about why it's good why it's bad we are very dating positive we believe dating can be a great part of your life even if you don't want a partner it should be fun etc so we're uh if you're new to us we like to say you're we're your friends who hype you up about dating 
And if you want, this is again, this is the most official you'll ever hear anything on this podcast. Uh, if you want to get more hyped up around dating, you should join our secret Facebook group, which is a really, really lovely community of people who chat about all things relationships, dating, and ask questions. And everyone's really nice and supportive. And it's a really nice place on the internet. Um, and I feel like those are super rare. And it's, I truly, it makes me smile every day. So um, join our secret Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram at 51firstdatespod. You can email us. Um, send us your worst first date stories. We always like to get those. We ask Mike about his. Um, and you can email those at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. And that is my whole spiel. Yeah, I was a good spiel, Liza. And uh, yeah, but speaking of Instagram, I'm just going to shout out, um, you know, this is a really shitty time. And if you're upset about what happened to Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, I posted on our Instagram this week a really great organization I found through Kara Brown, who is an excellent Twitter follow and just all around um, amazing writer personality. Uh you can donate to Block by Block Milwaukee. And if you want to follow them on Instagram to make it easy, I guess, or go to the website. That's easier, right? Wow. I put Instagram before a website. That's insane. Um, B-L-O-C by B-L-O-C dot org. Uh, so I wanted to shout that out. We, you know, I guess it's it's not Consumption Corner, but Liza, we, yeah, I think even, you know, Going into our conversation with Mike, we talk about just what's going on in the world and how we are continually trying not to be the shitty white liberal women we have been. So I just wanted to shout that out as well because it's a really tough time for a lot of people in this country. Completely. And a reminder to make your voting plan if you haven't. I'll help you if you want to email me. Yeah. I don't have we, a job. We will, uh, the, the, what you can do right now as well, you can make a donation. And then you can go and just Google early voting in my state or in your state name. And then you can follow all the steps. Just Google it and it will start to come up, I think. <laughs> or that helped me. Uh, and figure out your plan because it's really it's scary times out there. It's important. Um, and, oh my God, is that all our business? I, I think guess so. I wanted to be, uh, you know, again, we are we're here to try to keep you going through these times. And I think the interview with Mike would be great distraction but gotta shout out how shitty this time is as well i think that's our business i think so for sure we did it uh, <laughs> always smooth. as as you can hear new listeners we're great at business we're good at transitions we are good at all of the podcast stuff great at keeping um, it together when really attractive and kind men are you know our interviewees are nice <laughs> to us yeah. i'll stop objectifying <laughs> i feel that i've been objectifying but okay all right so <sighs> Another a segment we've been doing it briefly in quarantine is Consumption Corner, LOL, because of consumption. Uh, and, and we've been talking about stuff we've been watching. Mine's getting weirder and weirder. I'm excited. I, I haven't been good. I had a very busy week at work, but I will just go back to my last week's Lovecraft Country totally changed in the second episode now i feel like it's it's like a beautiful show and great acting but it is now i don't know a bit more westworldy than i thought it would be so i, I i'm kind of i'm not taking back my recommendation i'm just saying like like if you want to start watching and dming me about it maybe we can all be on this ride together it's just it got weird hmm. <laughs> that's, that's it um i'm still a little scared i haven't found the right daytime i'm a huge 
wimp and I'm afraid of everything even slightly horror-y. So I haven't I need to watch it during the day and I haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's quite fakey. Like uh, fakey is not the right word. It's not even a word. Um, but it's it's not I think intentionally it's not super terrifying looking monsters. They they sh- I think you'll be okay, but again, it just feels like, whoa, what the fuck is this show in the second episode after the first episode? So interesting. Okay. Yeah. We'll investigate. So well, that's just my thought, but I don't think I consumed anything else this week. Oh, except Nicole Byers' podcast had Z-Way on it this past week, and that's just like a dream team for me. So shout out, Why Won't You Date Me? Go listen to that. Love it. Ugh, amazing. Both of them. Um, I went on a deep, deep, because apparently I'm not sad enough in quarantine. I started watching, I've watched a lot of episodes of Anthony Bourdain's shows over the years, but I've also missed a lot. I always just kind of watched it when it was on. It was never something that was like appointment-y for me. But they have all of, I think it's all of Parts Unknown is on HBO Max and Mm. two seasons of No Reservations is on Hulu. So I started watching um, just the Hulu episodes, the No Reservations episodes, and I watched a lot of them. And oh my god, that show is so so good. It, I cried a couple times watching it just because I'm very very sad about Anthony Bourdain, but also just there is just nothing like that show. It's so good and it's so sensitive. And I, I just think he had this unbelievable ability to connect with literally anyone and make anyone he spoke to feel comfortable, like mm-hmm. make just dick jokes and make people laugh and and make himself. Um, a part of experiences that was so unique and it's funny and it's right now when you know I can't I can't travel and I I do really love to travel uh, and try to make it a pretty big part of my life it's amazing to get to just feel like you can see these little slices of life and um, it's just making me feel it's weird because it's so sad to watch but also it's so good and it's so I'm so happy that it exists as a show Mm -hmm. Um, he gave so much like uh, just he gave so much much humanity to so many people that like we as Americans don't know anything about and that's obviously like yeah it, it's just so good so i've been crushing those episodes crying on the regular and it's been getting me through but there's something i am with you because and i will shout this out i think i may have earlier but i just got back into picking up the episodes but padma lakshmi's taste the nation so it's all u.s centric but mm-hmm. very very good as well um same you know food and travel, learn about people. I really, there's something comforting to watching this show, even though we can't travel right now. Yes, or totally. These things, you know? It's so funny. I So I watched her show and that's, and I was like, oh my God, I wish there was more of this. And that's mm-hmm. what got me back to Anthony Bourdain. I was like, this feels like a, a grandchild of Anthony Bourdain's show or something, or a cousin of Anthony Bourdain's yeah, show. Yeah, they're total cousins, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so after I finished Taste the Nation, I went back to, uh, Anthony Bourdain's and I have to say and okay I love Top Chef I'm a long time I've seen every episode of Top Chef I love it I love Padma but the thing that I think uh that show is missing a little bit is that intense ability to connect with people Padma's like another being man she's on another like plane she's so beautiful perfect and everything about her it's just she's like you know an alien of perfection and I think that like Anthony's messy and I yeah, I that's fair. just it gives him an ability to to make people around him feel comfortable that I really love. Um, 
I love both shows. I'm not going. I don't want. I'm not like no, comparing no, 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 them. No, but no, no, no. I brought it up. <laughs> no. But yeah, it's great. I have to say, I've been eating so badly because of it. Because I'll in the middle of the day, I'll just be like, I'm gonna get you know noodles from John's favorite famous food, or like I've just been ordering so much food because I'll see him eating something and be like, what's the closest I can get to this? And, and you know, I could get takeout from a lot of places. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I've been eating a lot. But it's a great it's a great watch. And if you are like me missing travel and getting out of your comfort zone and bubble, it's definitely fill, fulfilling a little bit of that itch. No, I think it's a good recommendation. I'm now like, oh, maybe I'll do that because I've never seen them all by any means. But uh, yeah, I like that. All right. Should we do a listener question and then get to Mike Johnson? Because let's be real. That's what people are. Really yes, here let's for. do it. You did not. You're not here to hear me wax poetic about Anthony Bodain. <gasps> Okay. All right. So we will read a listener question from our secret Facebook group. Um, if you join it, we will always ask you before we read it, uh, even if it's anonymous. So you can join that group. We're plugging ourselves again. But it, it is a really safe internet space, which I feel like there are very few of, to ask relationship questions. Um, totally. Very pro. Okay. So how do you all know when to say I love you? I know it sounds stupid and you should say it when you know it's right, but I'm freaking out about it a little bit. I've known for a couple months now that I've completely fallen in love with my boyfriend, but I'm too nervous to be the one to say it first. And also, I have been the one to initiate most of the quote-unquote relationship milestones, other than meeting parents, which he suggested first. We made an effort not to jump into the relationship quickly and to take it slow, which I think has really paid off in terms of how close we are now, etc. I know it's dumb to just sit and wait because I really just want him to know how I feel, and I do think he loves me too, but I really want to hear it from him first. I can't help but feel pressure not only because we've been dating for what seems like a while now, met in November, started officially dating in February, March, but also seeing how quickly people announce those type of feelings for one another. It makes me feel like a lot of time has passed by and that he isn't saying it because he just simply doesn't feel the same way about me, even though he gives me pretty much every indication that he does, in fact, love and care about me. So TLDR, how to know when to say I love you. Um, they have... She's known for a couple of months that she definitely does love her boyfriend, but yeah. I, okay, first of all, I do not think it's dumb. I don't think you should be telling yourself it's dumb to sit around and wait. I think that's mean, and you should not be mean to yourself in that way about this because it's so vulnerable. The oh. idea of like saying you, I love you to someone and the possibility that they're not going to say it back is like, for whatever reason, the most, to me, one of the most terrifying things is the ultimate, like, you putting yourself out there. So, I don't know. I, I understand. And I, I I not only sympathize, I empathize because I have done exactly this. Like, absolutely been in love and just been like, I'm just going to wait. They'll say it at some point. <laughs> and, you know, I, I also think it's it's important to remember that, like, that might be what he's feeling, too. It's not less vulnerable for him because he's a man yeah i the, the gender stuff definitely comes into play here and this actually is perfect we did not plan this because we don't plan things but with our it goes along well with our conversation that the conversation that we have with mike um and he reminded us to speak our shit and uh i am really bad at speaking my shit so i relate to this in that when i i never said i love you first or at all to a person i was romantic with uh, and in my current relationship, it was like almost a whole year of knowing each other. So we met, it was like the neck we met, and granted this podcast meant that date 13 and I weren't 
dating like only each other for a significant portion of that first year but still it took a very long time and it's because I was holding out for him to say it first because as much as I try to be progressive I'm a little baby and I there are gender stereotypes and I'm a scaredy cat uh so I think all of that is to say it's hard and it's especially hard I think as a woman and you know a heteronormative world and relationship you feel like they're supposed to say it first if they really feel it but Liza your point is right eventually you know it was said to me and he was very nervous and it was so clear that we had both wanted to say it for a long time actually talked about it afterward and I I'm kind of like fuck all that and just say it I'm I'm I don't know maybe I'm revved up from our conversation with Mike but I'm like yeah no I mean I agree and I I think that in more pragmatic like in a pragmatic sense Mm. yes right the thing the reason you're not no, not I'm not saying you were not pragmatic. No, that, <laughs> I, that was I, I, no, 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 not at all. But like, here's basically why I think you should just say it. So I think the reason that you're hesitant is because you're worried he won't say it back. And I think that that's information you want to know. And I think he will. I mean, it seems again, he's he's suggesting meeting parents. He's giving you all of these signs if this is a thing, I totally know the feeling of being in a relationship and absolutely knowing you love someone and not saying it. And I think it holds you back in a lot of ways. I think it keeps you from being totally vulnerable with that person. I think it keeps the sense of like, cool. And I think just saying it will provide a lot of relief because then you will have said it. You'll know if it's returned, which I feel like it will be. But also, even if it's not, at least then you can be like, well, why don't you feel that at this point? And then you're going to get more information. And like, is this all so much easier said than done? Yes. Like, is it terrifying? Yeah. Uh, Would I be able to take my own advice here? I don't know. Maybe, (laughs) maybe not. If you need to have like a half a bottle of wine, we support that. (laughs) But I do think that like getting the info is better than not getting it and the relief you're going to feel when it's over I think will allow you guys to even open up more to each other yeah and here's the other thing it, you know it, it, people say it or feel it and at different times I have I have many thoughts but even if he didn't respond which is ultimately the worst case scenario here it doesn't mean it's because he doesn't love you or isn't on his own journey to when he feels comfortable saying it I think that's important to remember too it sucks it would really suck if it wasn't reciprocated but I do think sometimes people are just on different timelines about it to counter that it sounds like you and your gut actually feel like he also wants to say it but just hasn't yet and then you get in your head about oh maybe he doesn't actually love me though I feel like it's a gut thing I don't know because I've been in this situation one time but I knew we both wanted to say it you know, I think, I, yeah, I think, well, let us know how it goes. <laughs> but I think if you say it, you will, one, be relieved and two, be surprised. And you'll just feel really proud of yourself. Being vulnerable always makes me feel really proud of myself, even though it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah, totally. And yeah, you are worth somebody loving you back when you love them. So even if this this doesn't go the way you want it to go 
that's so important to know. But I think it will. I do too. I, think, I don't think oh. someone is like trying to introduce you to their parents if they don't love you. You know what I mean? I Yeah. And you know what? And if you want to be super practical about this, someone in the comments wrote that they did this. They set a deadline. If their partner didn't say it to them by that deadline, they were just going to blurt it out because it was like itching they, or not itching. It doesn't itch. They were dying <laughs> to burst it out. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm still giggly. Uh, but I and then on the day of the deadline, I guess her partner said it to her. So, oh, my God. Just cosmic. So cosmic. Uh, wellness or spirituality. No. Oh. Astro- astrology. Uh, but all of that to say is to say, maybe it will give you some comfort to even just establish a day you're going to say it by if he doesn't say it to you. Cause then you've got a timeline, you've got something that feels somewhat productive in that way. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. All about it. Let us know what happened. Um, or, you know, maybe if you feel comfortable, post an update in the secret Facebook group. Um, and, uh, we love you. Good luck. Yeah, no, we love you. Good luck. That Good sounds luck, so creepy. I, I don't. I truly, I'm not sure what that was, but you know what I mean. But we love you. Uh, okay, and now let's just get to the good part of this episode, which is no. Thank you to that listener for writing in. We really appreciate all your questions, but we do have Mike Johnson, and it's a phenomenal interview. Not because we were great interviewers, because he is phenomenal. So we hope you enjoy, and. Yeah, we're going to take a really quick ad break and then we'll be back with Mike. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so we are so excited to be joined by Mike Johnson. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Definitely so. I'm excited to be here today. Yes. We are thrilled to have you. Our listeners are going to freak out. We're <laughs> we're freaking out a little bit. I don't need to pretend to be cool. We're fangirls. <laughs> um, <laughs> Big fangirls. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've definitely like absolutely talked about about the, the franchise a lot on our podcast, like whether our listeners like it or not. Um, <laughs> but absolutely talked about uh, how just unbelievably cool you are. So we're so excited to talk to you today. We're going to talk about the franchise we're going to talk about dating in 2020 all of it but as usual we like to ask all of our listeners do you have a worst first date story a worst first date story the only thing i remember about my worst first date is that she 100 percent had halitosis yeah it, it was bad that's like you know they say memory is a strong or scent is the strongest memory her breath is all I remember, and I could not, will not. It was just terrible. Oh, <laughs> it's tough. That's something you can't, you cannot move beyond, you know? There no, are it was just bad. Like, I couldn't pay attention to our conversation whatsoever. It was just, it would just slap me in the face with breath. It was just bad. <laughs> it's horrible. And it's one of those things, too, where you always want to, like, I always am like, God, I want to say something to this person because I feel like it's doing them a service, but also yeah. like, I can't. I don't know them. You know, yeah. I would say something to a friend, maybe. A friend you could say it to, someone you care about, someone you have a, a, a 
build a relationship with, but like someone you're meeting for the first time on the first date, you got to come prepared. It's first date. Like, yeah. Check. You know? <laughs> Completely. I mean, even I, I'm like a, a big Italian and I put garlic on everything in the entire world. Even I am like, okay, you have to be very breath conscious on a first date because nothing is, is like a quicker attraction turn off. Yes. Yes. It was. I'm, and then, you know, it's only happened that one time. I've been on lots of first dates and not a lot of second dates at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all, you know, have some semblance there. But um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was just bad. It was bad. Never, I'll never say her name, but I mean, I remember her. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of, you know, lots of first dates, Mike, you've had a dating experience unlike either of us. I mean, I guess I dated on this podcast, but that is not, you know, The Bachelorette. How, okay, maybe pre-Bachelorette post, what is your relationship to relationships? We like to ask it in that cheesy way, but you know, a lot of first dates, you know, I don't know. What has like been your defining relationship to relationships? What has been my defining relationship to relationships? Yeah. Like uh, for me, it was like, I was always single and not going on first dates. And then Um, once I started going on dates, it ended up working out for me. Um, That's a good point. Like, so I live in San Antonio and I just wouldn't date at all. I would be annoyed that I don't have a girlfriend, but it's my fault because I don't go out and get out the house. Like, you know, I got to be honest about who I am as a person, right? Yeah. So pre-TV, all I did was work and I would come home on Friday night and just be out of my mind. Like, what should I do right now, right? Or Saturday, Sunday, and just don't know what to do. Um, and then, you know, kind of went on TV, did a thing, um, tried to find love. I got dumped on TV twice, and <laughs> I like saying it like that too. <laughs> and, now, and, and now it's COVID in 2020, so I'm like, come on, what is going on? What is life? I know it's it's unfair. It's a mess. Have you been dating during quarantine or Zoom dating no. or? Yeah, I definitely. Have. I've been on. I've been on dates. I've been, I've been on dates. I. Uh, <laughs> You know, they got like a new show, you know, I think it's on Hulu, Love in the Time of Quarantine, I think it is, right? That's what yeah, it's called. Yeah. Um, I haven't found love, you know, we haven't got, we haven't gotten to that point, but there's, there's, yeah, I've, I've dated. I've, you gotta, just gotta, you just have to be creative, right? In the things that you do, uh, because even though we are so connected as far as technology, I still feel like our generation is one of the most disconnected, you know, with that. And which is crazy to say, like our grandparents probably would be like, what do you mean? You can do what we're doing right now. Um, but so that when I've gone on dates, I've just been just really creative with what I do. You know, send them a present in the mail uh, that they receive while I'm going to FaceTime them. Oh, I like uh, you know, that. I like to ride bikes so we can ride bikes together to a certain location that we have. Or I, I mean, just little knickknacks, right? Send a postcard snail mail like just a little cute stuff that we forgot how to do you know yeah totally yeah it's nice i feel like it has pushed a lot of people we've talked about it's pushed them out of the like okay first date is drinks second date is maybe drinks and casual food third date is drinks and a actual sit down dinner you know it's nice let me let me hear your order i want to see this order (laughs) of how it goes for you how does it work 
I mean, my order is uh, get drunk at a bar, make out, um, hook up for a couple months, and then force I mean, someone well, to date and uh, date me for a couple years. So yeah, I've, ne- I've never really done the real dating thing. So uh, nobody listened to my order. <laughs> but no, my order was always drinks first because you can't commit to too much time. But I am also very pro like a coffee date for a first date or like bike riding sounds so great. Like an activity first date, I think that can take the pressure off of having to talk about things to each other, especially if you don't totally get along. See, I'm 100% activity based first. Mm -hmm. Like 100%. I don't want to go to dinner. I'm not trying to like sit across from you and be all formal. I'm trying to make you laugh. I'm trying to see your quirky side. And I think that the coolest thing about all of us is that there's a kid inside of all of us and so i want to see that child i want to see the fun side of you right and then as we progress i can start to see some of the more adultish aspects of you but i want to see that you still you know have fun you're still a child at heart totally yeah i think it's so easy over dinner or drinks to present like your interview self you know like this is the best version of me yeah you know make sure you get a haircut that day i just want to see the fun side i want to see a person totally And also, if someone sucks, I think it's harder to hide that doing an activity. You know, you Correct. see different things about them coming out, and Correct. it's good to know early. Correct. I what get to see it? if someone's, you know, if they would do some crazy stuff. <laughs> totally. Totally. So in your new dating life post-Bachelorette, are you finding that you're mostly dating people who have seen you on TV? No. Um, so I've... The times that I've dated in 2020 um, has been one and a half, I'll say. And neither of them watched my season, but they both know of me, put it like that. Mm-hmm. Like, so one of the girls, she was actually supposed to go on Peter season. She was supposed to go on Peter season. I'll leave it like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the girls was supposed to go on Peter's season. <laughs> and then one of the other girls, she, uh, her like mom and sister know who I am because they watch the show. And so, you know, how people are like, oh, I'm going to go on a date with this person. What? You know, yeah, yeah. I know that person, like, you know, all that stuff. But neither of the girls that I dated watched my season or watched Hannah Brown season, shall I say. That's, is that, does that feel like a relief when you find that out? Like, do you, do you, ask people that do people volunteer that information they i just volunteer. imagine it must be a- they always volunteer yeah okay because i personally as crazy as it sounds what i'm about to say i've never seen every single episode of the season that i was on i just haven't i mean yeah. that makes sense yeah is that because it's like difficult to watch yourself date what's the what's no, the feeling just, there? i've been there done it like i lived it like to yeah. me it's like if we were to watch family videos because your mom wants to show your new boyfriend for the 13th time mom i already seen it i don't care to watch them <laughs> yeah that's how i look at it it's just extremely good editing and hd quality you know 1080p all that stuff but to me it's just i'm never one of those kids that's you know all you we all know a person that's like the kid from high school who still hangs on to that high school memory when we're yeah. 30. like i'm 32 and I'm not, I'm trying to continue to progress, right? Mm-hmm. That was a fun time in my life. I didn't find the love of my life, um, but I'm gonna continue to do awesome things and not hold on to me being the high school quarterback type of thing. That's how I look at it. Yeah, no, and that's, well, it's really exciting that you have your book coming out too, uh, Making the, the Love You Want, congratulations. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah right. Well, we wanted so, to ask you about that. Um, you know, I think it's a book that a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be very interested in if they haven't, you know, been interested in it already. So what inspired you to write a book and then specifically this book? Yeah. So I've, I was in the military and in the military, we kind of get a, uh, a sense of don't come to me with a problem, only come to me with solutions. Mm-hmm. And I live my life in that regard. It could be harsh to some people, but I mean, I think everyone from a logical standpoint understands that. Like if you continue to have the same exact problem, you need to figure out how to correct the problem. And so I had gone through two extreme depressions in my life to where I forgot who I was. I was shattered. I, one time I was around people again and I hyperventilated and threw up. Uh, And that's nothing like me, right? I'm like loud, boisterous, uber confident, super loving to people, make sure everyone's happy and smiling, but I was broken. And one of my uh, homegirls, she committed suicide. And I had an ex that um, was broken herself. And I had another friend. Um, We just all were hurt, you know? And I think that we all hurt at some point in time. It's a part of the human experience, right? Um, But one of the things that I found to help me personally was to make other people happy, to make other people genuinely feel seen, to make other people feel noticed. And so I started to do little things that I was experimenting on myself, basically. And I started to do things that were, you know, help me build the love that I once had for myself back into myself. And so this book details how to obtain that love of self, whether you already had it and you lost it or whether you have it now and you just need to pick me up at certain points in time. Uh, you can like, I wrote the book in such a way that you can skip over to certain areas, right? That you want to read specifically part. I have different parts of the book. I'm, I'm really excited about the book. Um, no, I, I also just have to jump in and say, I love that you, I mean, we haven't read it yet, but I love that you kind of made it easy for some of us who haven't been good at reading, especially in quarantine. Like if I could just go to the part of the book I need that day, that's, I, I'm very pro that. No, we, I definitely got you. I definitely got you. I mean, <laughs> I have, you can just skip all of the, I call it like a, a poetic play. You can skip all that and go directly to like my Instagrammable quotes that I put in the book and just read that, you know, it'll be right there. <laughs> like I made it for all all levels and all types of readers. If you don't like to read, just skip over to my my Instagram quotes that you can just take and boom, five words, you're good to go. Yeah. That's awesome. And and what was it like? I mean, I, I think it's so cool that you are I'm going to just like wax a little bit annoyingly feminist for a second, but I think it's so cool that you are like this man's man, you're in the military and you're writing a book that's really vulnerable. You seem to be like incredibly uh, open with your feelings, like even just uh, talking about depression on a podcast is um, so powerful to me. So many, uh, I think men are afraid to do that or aren't willing to do that or aren't willing to admit to themselves they're depressed. What was the experience like of writing such a personal book? And how do you how do you tap into that? How do you um, what do you recommend to people who are not so able to be in touch with with who they are? I appreciate that question. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, you're, you're very absolutely dead on the money. I call it emotional homework. That's what I would tell my editor. She would give me emotional homework because that's exactly what it is. When I, 
I've said in the past, my book is strong enough to hold your tears. I really mean that. Um, there, I mean, I've been on my keyboard and just putting throwing the laptop away because it just hurts so much to you know to go through, or not necessarily hurts to go through, but more of a a shock that I'm about to explain this or write this out. And when you do that, it's therapeutic. The only way to uh, the only way to get over something is to go through it. And for me, I mean, Brene Brown speaks on it. She says it perfectly to where um, the biggest connector is vulnerability, right? That's how you can connect with anyone on such a deep level. So for example, if someone completely disagree with Black Lives Matter, if we were able to sit down and throw out all judgments and we were two years old or three years old, whenever you could talk, we would love each other, period, dot. Like there is no if, ands, or but about it. We're human beings, that's what we're made to do, right? And so I kind of had to take that notion of just, again, take away my adult perceptions and just not care and just write how I feel, right? And not care about judgment, which I think judgment, shame, judgment are the inhibitors of courage quite honestly. And so for me, I would write like at three, four, five, six in the morning when everyone else is sleeping in the world because I felt like no one is listening to me right now. And for me, that was a, a, a way to get it out. Um, there, my dad called me, what, last week? And on my IG, I talk about, uh, I briefly touch over a, a sexual thing that had happened to me that's in the book. And he called me, he was like, what is this? I didn't know about this. He's like, you need to call your mom. And so, I mean, there's things in there that my mom and my father, my sister, my grandma don't know. But that's how I got through it. You know, this book literally is a way for me to, all the things and exercises that I talk about in the book, I've had to do myself multiple times. I read my book at least 70 times, right? And all the different variations of it. And doing the processes, the exercises, and reading the mantras allow myself literally is a part of the, the tools that help me. And then just as a man, because like you said, we are kind of, I think that women are stronger in this regard. And I think that goes back to how someone will view us, right? We're not viewed as being macho anymore. And for me, I get happy knowing that someone could be, someone can connect with me, that I've created a bridge for us to talk about certain things. And quite honestly, if any guys are listening, it's gonna make you stronger. It just really will. Like there's, it's like the, uh, have you guys seen 8 Mile? Yeah. It's like the scene to where Eminem just talks so much shit about himself that he doesn't allow the other guy to be able to say anything. He's giving, he's taking away all the fuel, right? And that's what I'm doing in my book. So when everyone out there does that, that's listening to this, speak your shit because everyone has it and it will literally make you feel better. When you can communicate effectively, about the things that you've gone through, it's so much better for you. We need that on a t-shirt. Speak your shit. Like, Speak your really. shit, yes. Yeah, it's good. Yes. No, it's so, <laughs> I mean, it really resonates. And I guess maybe on the flip side of that, now, were there parts of the book that you, like, that are your favorite or were your favorite to write or that, you know, when you reread the book, you just feel super proud of? Yes. Um, I feel super proud that I was authentic. 
authentic as can be. And when I want to speak to that, I am on a show that I never watched before. Never, okay. I've never seen The Bachelorette, Bachelor, but I've seen one episode prior to going on. And I know that I wrote my book and I have a, I have a chip on my shoulder because I am from reality TV. So therefore people that write books that come from reality TV normally aren't perceived as a good writer. That's why I have a chip on my shoulder because I put so much effort in this to show and prove that I am a writer and that you would never know I came from reality TV by reading the book. And I really mean that. But for me, I come from a different background than the my family now, my Bachelor Nation family, right? My background's a lot different and you will read it in the book. It's a lot different. And I put like, one of the things that made me happy was I talked about two rappers I put in my book. Normally someone would not quote a rapper in their book that's talking about self-love, right? I quoted a rapper named Mac Miller, uh, who's passed away. And I quoted a rapper named Nipsey Hussle that just passed away. Uh, but then I also quoted uh, Bell Hooks. I also quoted Jen Cicerno. Um, I also quoted philosophers and mathematicians in my book. So I'm, I'm being true to my roots, but then also letting the viewers know that I'm not just one-sided, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't quote Socrates in my book, but I very well could have. But then I could easily go quote a hip-hop rapper, right? And so I wanted to ensure that I kept that authenticity because I feel that so many times people categorize us into one thing, right? And I refuse to have that because I think the beauty of all of us is that there's multiple sides to us. And so I kept that within my book. Uh, I spoke to the beauty of women. Uh, I spoke to, I put stories in my book that are, like I said, my mom, my father don't know about me. And so all those things make me happy. I would say the thing that makes me the happiest is, uh, as my editor would call it, Mike's darlings, which means they aren't grammatically perfect, but I said, even it's just the way I wrote it. And I was like, just the way I wrote it is how I want it, right? Um, which is kind of hard because she has 30 years of experience and I'm only 32 years old. So I got to listen, but then I'm like, yo, this is who I am. I want it just like this, right? Um, and then I'm also extremely proud of the interior design, which isn't a word, but just the aesthetic feel. Mm-hmm. and. I won't say the type of interior design I went with, but there's a meaning behind the interior design. So, I mean, just everything. I'm happy for my dedication. I'm very happy. No, you should be. You wrote a book. It's so exciting. Well, I think it's also, yeah, like you said, uh, it feels like a lot of people have struggled to figure out what they're, what they're going to do after they leave the franchise. And this is, feels like pretty unprecedented i'm really excited to read it and also the cover design is super cool i i when i googled it like the cover design is out on the internet out there and i was like oh this is a book i would pick up at a bookstore you know like browsing just because the cover design is so cool so i'm also excited to see the inside now thank you Um, you guys lord did an awesome job cool cannot wait um okay so so as a as a thought experiment we just want to talk a little bit about like dating today but sure. just let's pretend coronavirus didn't happen. <laughs> Pre- uh-huh. <laughs> December 2019 dating, maybe. If you could like wave a magic wand and change one thing about modern dating, what would that be? Um, the stigma that, oh, that's a good question. I had a conversation yesterday with someone I may or may not be talking to about this. Um, 
You know, have you seen MTV Room Raiders back oh, in the yeah. day? Yep. Loved that We're show. all the yeah. same age, we're all, too. We're all so 32, we're, by we're the all, way. So our yeah. couple okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. So we're all old. Got it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, so Room Raiders, you know, you go and you look at that person's apartment or whatever. I think that Room Raiders now is you look at their social media aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Right? And we all know, at least on Instagram, it does not show on all the media, on all the platforms, it doesn't show who you are in totality. Um, so I would change that. And then I would also change the rules. Like there's unwritten rules within this realm, right? So if a girl wants to sleep with someone sooner than what the perceived rule is, is she wrong? Is she not wrong? I think that shouldn't happen. If a guy doesn't want to sleep with a girl, is is he is something wrong with does a woman think something wrong with her? Like it shouldn't be that stuff, right? I think that we should be able to talk about anything at any moment and not have rules, right? If if the DNC or uh the yeah, the DNC just came on, I want to be able to talk about it. August 28th was last week. They just had the uh the march on Washington. I should be able to talk about that mm-hmm. on the first day if I feel like, not the fourth or fifth day. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like now more than ever. Yeah. There's there were so many rules about bringing up politics or not, and it just feels like such a dumb rule. Um, yeah. And kind of speaking to everything going on in the world and bringing it back to Bachelor Nation a bit. Obviously, there have been calls for more diversity in Bachelor Nation for so long. Um, there were specific calls for separate reasons, just that we wanted you to be the Bachelor as well, but we don't have to get into that. We were very <laughs> pro Mike for Bachelor. So, uh, but with, you know, with Tasha and Matt James, uh, do you, things are, I, I don't even know how to say, it. like getting better. It's, there are some calls being answered. I think, you know, we are probably all in agreement that there's more that the franchise could do. What would you like to see from the Bachelor franchise in regards to diversity going forward? Um, I think that Matt James is awesome, but I also think that that was done for a reason, right? Which is extremely annoying. Um, absurd. Um, but I think that, I think Tasha was just chosen because she's awesome, right? And she was like, pretty much, we already knew who she was, and so she was already in there. If Matt James was on prior, because Matt James is awesome, I know him personally, then I can see that, right? But the way they did it made me, it, it was kind of like like a cat when they're about to throw up in their mouth, you know? Yeah. Uh, that was terrible. I'm going to get shunned for that. But uh, I think going forward, they, they can't focus on what they've done wrong in the past. I think just now they have to listen to their audience. Uh, which affects their dollars, and that's what a business does. And so they need to be, and I said when I was being auditioned for The Bachelor, be more representative of America in general, right? Me personally, and I'm, and I, this is nothing, uh, I'm just speaking candidly like it's just you and me, that's why I always get in trouble. <laughs> but I'm going to do it again. That's why some people like me because I'm real. Um, I think that all of America isn't a size zero. I think that all of America isn't white. I think that all of America isn't, the American football player or cheerleader, you know, look. Uh, I'm black, growing out my hair to have tattoos, right? But I'm still like an incredibly intelligent and sweet and soft person, right? And so the personalities may be there, but the aesthetics may be different. And I think that we need to, you know, portray that. Yep. Yeah, completely. And it's something that I think, yeah, for so long, everyone's been talking about it. I can't, I, I can completely understand your frustration right now being like 
cool everything had to blow up for this to happen yeah. like this should have been just been happening yeah. um but it's funny yeah. though that and this goes way bigger than the bachelor this is our fault as a, a society if i were to talk about i actually have on my twitter talked about um transgender deaths that they're being killed at an unprecedented rate i get no likes on it but guess what happens three years down the line so in 2023 when it shit blows out of proportion and then I post it. Oh, my, my, I'm a that Twitter will post will blow up, right? Because it's a hot, popular thing. And that's the issue. If we really care, 2016, Colin Kaepernick brought this to our attention. He was shunned. Now I watched a basketball game last night. Every individual is taking a knee, right? And so that's the annoying part. And it's way bigger than Bachelor. I love the Bachelor uh, franchise. They've done great for me. I want to be blessed to be here on your podcast supporting them. But this is way bigger than them. This is us, me, myself included, as a society. We only pay attention to what's popular at the moment, right? Yep. And that's because, like I just said, I give a perfect example. If I talk about murder and transgender being at an unprecedented rate, at the time I posted, it was 22 in this year, in 2020. And it's not a popular, I got like maybe a couple hundred likes. But if I post about um, right now, a black person getting murdered, I'll get thousands of likes, right? Well, actually, today, if I post it, I won't get nearly as many because people are tired of hearing about it. And so that is an issue within itself, right? If it's not popular, I don't give a damn, basically. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're we're guilty of this as as white women, too, you know, as liberal mm-hmm. white women. Like, we've, we've um, talked about about issues lightly on our podcast in the past and then this year we've really had to reckon and be like oh we can't just let this be a passing thing we have to make it uh a major thing this has to be something we we think about every day and it's it's embarrassing and and shameful that it, it took this um this moment for us to like make it front and center but yeah it's uh it's definitely i don't know what i'm trying to say i'm just trying no, <laughs> trying to no. say like it sucks that this is what what it took, including for us. Well, that, it's not just everyone. It's it's everyone, right? It's in every country. It's in every nation, um, every culture. What, the things that are serious issues, but that hit home, that hurt us in some form or fashion, we rather subdue so that we can focus on something that's going to give us laughter, right? And something that's going to give us entertainment. On my Twitter, I almost posted it, but I didn't post it. Cause I was like on a, a very serious tip at that moment. I was like, if I talk about real shit, I get 10 likes. If I talk about something that is BS about who I'm dating, I'll get thousands of likes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that. So makes yep. Yeah, it's, that makes me feel. But it's also fun to know who I'm dating. I mean, you know, they're both fun things. <laughs> they're yeah. both awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to hold you up too long. We're like, well, we have to I say know. I'm like, well, anything we ask after that feels so inconsequential. No, but- I think that the beauty of life is to have balance, right? That's why I have a ballerina tatted on me. I think that, you know, balance is beauty in and of itself. So I want to talk about everything. You just asked me a question, <laughs> right. so I'm, I'm going to be honest about everything, right? Totally. No, we love it. It's, it's refreshing. It's funny because I've always, I, I feel like I always, um, as a, I watch an enormous amount of uh, unscripted television and I feel like I always categorize people as like robots or not robots. 
And, you know, it's it's amazing to, like, connect with you as a human. I, you know, I, I was thinking about this when you were talking about Tasha. I was like, I'm so excited she's going to be The Bachelorette because I was always like, oh, my God, she's such a non-robot. She's such a person. She's not you a know? robot at all. Yeah. And, and obviously that's the way we always felt about you. But, like, it's very cool to to uh, connect with you in person. Here's That's a, a huge here's... compliment. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not a robot. <laughs> not a robot. <laughs> oh, my God. That's not... Oh, my God. Do I sound like the biggest asshole? We know how to gonna dish him out. No, you like, don't at all. You how really dare don't. you be mean to Mike? Um, <laughs> um, okay. I'll, we'll end it with this question, which is lighter, but I just do think people will really appreciate it, especially okay. from from you. What are you, how are you staying sane in quarantine? What are you watching? What are you doing? I mean, you're writing a book, which is a big thing, but outside of yes. writing a book, yes. what, how are you using your, how are you spending your days? Um, this is going to sound crazy, but I, uh, I'm really big on just like self-love. And so another thing I'm working on is a, a different form of media that every single weekend this month, we're, we're creating something that'll be out next year. Uh, I am Connor from the show. He just came over and he's crazy we're doing a bunch of tickets <laughs> and i i like ride my bike you know i like i like riding bikes and working out and every new every friday is new music friday so i get to like download a, a ass load of music and just dance around my place but naked when connor's not here just having fun <laughs> That's, that's, that's what awesome. Well, I think you've just delighted a lot of listeners with that visual um, and just some tips for <laughs> staying sane. Dance naked, guys. And speak your shit. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a joy. You're like such a treat. This was, thank you. <laughs> I thank the two of you as well. Seriously, seriously, I of do. Of course. <laughs> and um, tell everyone when your book will be out. Where I mean, of course, they can find it on the internet, but uh, dates, et cetera. I really need everyone's help uh, so we can become an uh, Amazon best-selling author. Uh, I'm doing this book independently, uh, which means that I have to put all money up, and I'm doing every single thing, so I really could uh, use your help. October 2nd, World Smile Day. Go to Amazon and get Making the Love You Want. It'll be available everywhere. Uh, my website as well, but go to Amazon. It's cheaper on Amazon, so go to Amazon. Uh, <laughs> and I promise you, everyone will find something that they can take from this. Amazing. And we'll like, we'll, in October, we'll repost too. We'll link it all. Um, we're so we'll remind everybody listening so you don't have to remember right now. We will tell you then. Mike, thank you so much. This was so delightful. And we wish you all the best of luck with your book. We're so excited to read it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great one. You, you too. too. Thanks, Mike.